Today's Bible reading comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Freedom. It's kind of been the catch cry for the last century, I think. Freedom from tyranny, freedom from oppression, freedom from occupying forces, freedom of choice, freedom when it comes to sex and relationships. Freedom is kind of held up as the absolute right for all people. Uh, Many people think that it should be the focus of human endeavour to set people free right around this world that people should be able to live in freedom. It's what Dr Martin Luther King Jr. called for in his I Have a Dream speech. Here are the closing words from his speech. When this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. It's been at the heart of music for countless years, that theme of freedom. Bob's, Bob Dylan sang about it, Pete Seeger sang about it, the Rolling Stones, uh, U2, B.B. King, Bob Marley, all sing about it, and they're still singing about it today. Beyonce Knowles, Pharrell Williams and Nicki Minaj have all released a song called Freedom in the last few years. But freedom from what? And freedom for what? I mean, no one's going to argue that Freedom's not a good thing. I mean, everybody agrees that freedom is a good thing. 
But freedom can sometimes be a difficult thing for people to live with. People can often struggle so long to have freedom that they then struggle to live with freedom. I think that's certainly been the case in Zimbabwe in the past few years. Paul's been proclaiming freedom to the church in Galatia. And throughout this letter, he's made the comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant. And the comparison, Paul says, is the comparison between slavery and freedom. Now, to understand freedom, you need to understand what you're free from, and importantly, what you're free for. Now, Paul makes three pretty bold statements in this reasonably short section of Galatians that we're looking at today, chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, and I hope you've got your Bible open there. Three fairly bold statements to the, to the, to the uh, church in Galatia about freedom. He reminds them of what they're free from and what they're free for. The first one is there right at the beginning of the passage, verse number one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. As I said, it's the contrast between those two covenants right the way through Galatians. The old covenant, the one made with Israel at Mount Sinai, and the new covenant that has been brought in by Jesus, a covenant where all people are welcome in. And the issue in Galatia is that the Judaizers have been saying, it's great that you Gentiles have become Christians, that you've put your trust in Jesus, but Paul has forgot to tell you something that it's important for your faith to be complete for you to obey old covenant law. And circumcision is the particular thing that he focuses on in this section. Circumcision was the sign of the old covenant who marked you out quite literally as God's people. The Judaizers were saying that Gentiles needed to to be circumcised. They were insisting that that was what God wanted. They're saying that to be accepted by God, to be right with God, you have to be circumcised. And what Paul is saying is this. If you think that you can make a difference to your relationship with God, if you think that you can make yourself right with God by simply obeying laws, then you really don't understand what Jesus has done. Have a look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. Do you see what he's saying there? If you think that it's the things that you do that will make you acceptable to God, then you're really walking away from Jesus. You're saying that you don't need him, that you can do it yourself. So let's be clear, the only place where you can find forgiveness and acceptance with God is in Jesus. The only place that you can experience God's grace is in Jesus. You won't find it by obeying the law. But it's not just a matter of justification that Paul has in mind in this passage. It's the issue of your ongoing Christian life. How I continue to live and grow as a Christian. See, chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You are set free in Christ. 
we've been set free through his death and resurrection. And what have we been set free for? Freedom. Now, it kind of sounds obvious, doesn't it, if you're set free? Well, it's freedom that you've got. Might be obvious, but we haven't been set free to put ourselves back under slavery, back under some kind of old covenant. Those saying that the old covenant still stands have got it wrong. The old covenant came to an end in Jesus and the new covenant has come in Jesus. So again, Paul wants to stress in this passage, verse 2, you can't have it both ways. Mark my words, Paul says, Galatians 5 verse 2, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. And again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Do you see the choice that you're making here, Paul says? You're choosing the slavery of the old covenant which will get you nowhere. Or you can choose the freedom that comes in Jesus. It is for, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, the next big statement, certainly in terms of this letter, is there in verse 6. For in Christ, it's sorry, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul's saying, you may be a Jewish person, grew up in a Jewish home, you were circumcised as a child, and now you've come to faith in Jesus. Or you may be a Gentile person, uncircumcised, and you've come to faith in Jesus. The fact is, Paul says, doesn't matter. The only thing that counts is your faith in Jesus. That faith then expressing itself in love. It's an amazing statement, isn't it? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, let's be sure that we're clear about what Paul is saying here. What does he mean by faith? It doesn't mean sincerity. It doesn't mean positive thinking. It doesn't mean warm feelings. When Paul uses the word faith, he, he means your complete and utter dependence upon Jesus. When Paul says faith, he means total trust in Jesus. My right standing with God only comes because of my faith in Jesus. And the life that I live now is a life that is ongoing faith in Jesus. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Are you comfortable with that summary as a summary of your Christian life? Faith expressing itself through love. It's a great measure, isn't it, of what it means to be a Christian. Faith, your complete and utter trust in Jesus, expressing itself through love. That your faith is evident to other people because you demonstrate it in the way that you love, the way that you love others. Would those things be noticeable to the people who know you? I mean, hopefully they know that you have a faith. Hopefully that that's obvious in your life. 
But would they see that, that your faith is expressed in your love towards others? That your faith is obvious, that it shapes your decision-making, that your love is a standout characteristic for you? The problem in the church in Galatia was self-reliance expressing itself in legalism. That's what was happening there. It's easy for the legalist mindset to kind of make its way into the church and there are some denominations, Presbyterians, who are particularly good at it. Can very often give the impression that that's how you make yourself godly is by obeying the rules that we've come up with. That's what happened with Israel and the Pharisees. They would have looked like very devout, very serious people back in Jesus' day. Everyone would have thought that they were the measure of godliness because of the way that they conducted themselves. But Jesus didn't see that. Jesus said that they were superficial, shallow, whitewashed tombs, not really serious about God at all, just serious about keeping a whole bunch of rules that they'd made up for themselves. You see the expression there in chapter 5, verse 9? Paul says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. That's exactly what Jesus said about the Pharisees. So you've got to watch out for those guys. They're the yeast. They're the tiny little bit that can end up having a huge impact on everybody else. And the same is true with the Judaizers. The point's really simple. You let a little of that legalist thinking in and it'll spread right through the whole group. Before you know it, you'll have people coming up with lists of rules about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath, rules about what you can and can't wear to church. That's why you have to guard against legalism in the church. It's the yeast, that tiny little bit that starts to spread. And before you know it, it's spread right through the batch. So Paul says, the only thing that counts is Faith expressing itself through love. Last bold statement is there in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I said before that uh, freedom can sometimes be a difficult thing to live with. I taught for 12 months in a juvenile justice centre, a juvenile prison, and the thing that always amazed me there was that it was the same kids that you were seeing all the time. It wasn't that they liked coming back to the place. In fact, they would have said that they hated being there. But it seems that no sooner have they gained their freedom, they go and do something and end up back in here. They seem to be going out to commit some kind of crime so that they can get caught and turn up back here again. They weren't sure what to do with freedom. So they put themselves back into prison. And the research says that the majority of them, 85% of them, will probably spend time in adult jails as well. Now Paul says that the Galatians need to take care how they use their freedom. Very often when people use the word freedom today, it's not actually freedom that they're talking about. They want to be able to say, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And people think that that's freedom, free to do as I please, free for me to be able to find happiness. 
I remember one of my lecturers when I was at university saying to a class in a lecture that he thought that the growing divorce rate in Australia was actually a healthy sign. You're probably wondering, like we were, how do you figure that? And his logic was that he said, and these were his words, he said, it means that people aren't settling for second best. It means that they keep looking until they find true happiness. There were a few of us who who thought that he may have just been trying to justify his three divorces, but that could just be a speculation on our part. But what what he meant was that people were pursuing happiness. They've called it freedom, but it's just freedom to find happiness. He wasn't going to be bound by society's rules or conventions and he was going to keep looking until he found happiness. He didn't care how many other people became unhappy because of his pursuit. For him, it was about him finding happiness for himself and calling it freedom. But that's not freedom. That's just arrogance. That's self-indulgence. That's selfishness. Not freedom. Look again what Paul says, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. There's a bit of an irony in this passage. Paul uses the word slavery to talk about life under the old covenant at the beginning of the passage. And he even uses that word slavery there in verse 1. And he says that the old covenant was a yoke of slavery. But then he uses that same word here at the end of the passage. The NIV translates it as serve, but it's actually slavery is the word that gets used there. See, the way the verse 13 should read is this. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, be slaves to one another in love. If you trust in Jesus then you are free, free to be a slave for others in love. So here's two questions for you to finish off with. Are you clear about what it is that you're free from? If you trust in Jesus, then you are set free simply because of that trust in him. You are made right with God. You don't make yourself right with God by what you do. It's not law-keeping that makes God look favourably upon us. When we stop trusting ourselves and start placing our trust completely in Jesus, then we find God's favour. We've been set free and set free for freedom. So we need to be on our guard against those who would encourage us towards some kind of slavery. They're still around in churches today. I could take you to churches very close to here where they're promoting slavery, where they're promoting old covenant thinking, telling you what you can and can't eat, what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. We've been set free and we need to guard against those who want to turn the Christian life into some kind of old covenant slavery. But the more important question is this, what's the evidence of the freedom in your life? What evidence is there that you've understood this freedom? Paul's answer is faith expressing itself through love, serving one another in love. 
Paul says that's how your freedom is to be used. If you know what it is to have experienced freedom in Jesus, if you've understood that freedom, then it should be evident to the people around you. Faith expressing itself through love. Serving one another in love. And if you haven't experienced that freedom in Jesus, if you haven't understood that freedom, then it'll probably be obvious too. Look at what Paul says was happening to the church in Galatia as the result of the the legalists coming in there. If you keep biting, verse 15, if you keep biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. The evidence is there in the church in Galatia. You could tell those who hadn't understood the freedom in Jesus. It brought about division and infighting. So how will it be obvious in our church? Will people see faith expressing itself through love? Will people see us serving one another in love? More to the point, does that sum up your Christian life? Faith expressing itself in love, you serving others in love. There's the challenge from this passage. So let's pray that God might keep shaping our hearts so that we can be living examples of faith expressing itself in love.